The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll do make friends. Just try and make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. As Dow hits a new all-time high in the midst of a raging pandemic, Dow up 471 points today, S&P gaining 1.16%, NASDAQ advancing 0.8%. It's time to admit that conventional wisdom has been wrong every step of the way. In this market, patience is not a virtue. Diligent research, irrelevant. Discipline costs you a fortune. But suspending all rigor and just buying the most obvious stocks, well, that has been a terrific strategy. That was easy. Now, I, I got to admit, I, I, I struggle about how this is possible. I'm not used to a market that rewards investors for being late to the party. But this morning, we find out that Moderna has a COVID vaccine that might work even better than Pfizer, at least in a small sample. If you were stealing yourself for another year of masks and physical distancing, well, now that's getting off the table. We've got uncontrolled spread all over America because most mayors and governors refuse to shut down the bars and the restaurants. Those are the main places where we get infected. Well, of course, yes, I can hear you say, no, it's at home, Jim. But, you know, you got to carry it in the home from somewhere. This pandemic is steamrolling us. But the prospect of a vaccine makes it easier to keep plodding along without shutting everything down, which is why stocks keep roaring. This is a get long or be wrong kind of market. And I'm sure you're wondering, given the numbers that we see, how is that possible? First, every now and then there are moments where discipline is stood on its head. In times like these, the toughest thing to do is to not sell. You must be willing to suspend judgment about how far stocks can reasonably go. You must believe that the bridge to the end of the pandemic will leave many more companies standing than we might have expected, thanks to Moderna, thanks to Pfizer. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about Darden, okay? Now, you may not know Darden, but that is the parent of Olive Garden, Longhorn Steak, Capitol Grill, Cheddar Scratch Kitchen, a bunch of small chains. The restaurant industry has been ground zero for the pandemic. We agree, right? Indoor dining, incredibly risky. We agree. You can't stop the spread in restaurants because people have to take off their masks to eat and the airflow might be stagnant once it gets too cold to leave the windows open. 
We have tons of evidence that the people in the front of a restaurant can get COVID from patrons in the back as the viral load builds up over time. It's kind of like secondhand smoke, but it can't be seen, of course. Uh, that's exactly why the stock of Darden is so good. Unlike their smaller competitors, they've been able to pivot. They've taken out tons of tables. Dine in town, uh, in, in down, it's down 50%. Solid minus 29% same-store sales, although they're getting better. Meanwhile, management's put through tremendous cost controls, and they even cut the bountiful quarterly dividend by 66%. Darden's liquidity position is very, very strong. Now, you can say, so what? Maybe you don't like to go to Olive Garden. What matters is that their competitors are mostly private companies that can't afford to operate at 50% of capacity. They don't have the deep pockets like a publicly traded company. The independent restaurants tend to have big fixed costs, even if they lay off the bartenders who can't tend bar and waiters who can't wait tables. The kitchen has to be well-staffed, and they have to cover rent, insurance, electricity. They're not serving liquor the way they made all the money on liquor. The costs aren't coming down. And that's why 40% of the restaurants that compete with Olive Garden are expected to go under. And you know what? I think that number is going to be optimistic. Here's the thing. If we had another stimulus bill, maybe a government-sponsored business interruption insurance, these small to medium-sized players would be able to stay afloat. That's not happening. And while it's bad for the economy, look at this. Look at this. It's great for Darden. So even though they can only seat half the customers and they had to cut the dividend, the stock's only down a few bucks from where it was trading before the pandemic. This is an amazing picture, people, because this company is not nearly as good as this company. But a year from now, when it doesn't have any competition to speak of, to the moon. I want you to think about the leaps of faith you need, though, to take a buy to buy some Darden. You have to believe the vaccine will get here soon, but not soon enough to spare the independent operators. You have to bet that Congress won't be able to compromise on a meaningful stimulus bill and let you down. And you have to expect that the moment people are vaccinated, boom, they're going to Olive Garden. What can I say? That's three, that's a gauntlet. That's some extreme optimism. The Dr. Pangloss approach to investing. But if you had decided to sell here, which has been reasonable, you'd say, well, I didn't sell it here or sell it here. I think you would have said, okay, I'm doing okay. But to hang on to here, that required a level of discipline that most people don't have. Let me give you another example. Uh, you know I like this company. It's called Honeywell. Glomer, huge exposure to the ailing aerospace industry. It's a stock just made a new all-time closing high today. Like the pandemic's not happening at all. Look at this. This is where it was before the pandemic. Now look at it. Okay, and that's incredible. How do you own it here? Well, you need to have faith that management will do a good job and the company will come out the other side of the COVID era in much stronger shape because it's pulled away from its competitors and built up a much better book of business. I believe that. I think Honeywell's a fantastic company with a great CEO. We own it for the Chapel Trust. But this stock, it's not clear to me it should make new highs. Discipline says you have to sell it unless you genuinely believe that a Biden administration will be a boon for aerospace and climate controls. Feels like a stretch. But, you know, Chapel Trust sold a little, but we got to hang on to the rest. Why? Discipline says you have to own this stock. Discipline. The discipline of holding on to a stock that you might otherwise think is going to roll over. Tough discipline. All right, finally, this one everybody knows, and it's really shocking. Let's have the chart of Disney, please. Will you look at this? I love Disney, and I love the stock. Child Trust owns it. I think it's got fantastic long-term prospects. But the stock's now trading above where it was trading at the end of January. Before we had any idea about the pandemic, that feels crazy to me. The parks are running at a fraction of full capacity. Disneyland's been closed since March. No sign is going to be open. The cruises are grounded. Movie theaters are closed. Big blockbuster releases have been pushed back to next year. ESPN's had a tough year with the truncated sports season. It doesn't matter. Maybe because they came up with Disney Plus, even though its streaming service loses a fortune. It's good. It, this one, it, that is growing by leaps and bounds. See, I understand. 
can you just think about this? The Disney that you know is this Disney. The Disney that people are buying, well, let's just say it's that Disney. Like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Understand, I'm not picking stocks that actually benefit from the COVID economy, like ServiceNow, PayPal, or any of the essential retailers like Home Depot, which reports tomorrow, Lowe's, which reports on Wednesday. These names are all about the stay-at-home thesis. The virus allows them to make fortunes. That's not Darden. That's not Honeywell. That's not Disney. These companies have been crushed by COVID. There's zero hope that the next quarter will be any good. Yet it doesn't matter. The buyers keep coming, not for their companies, but for their stocks. I often wonder, who are these guys? Who's willing to look through the valleys to the good numbers? How is it possible they don't care about the near term? How could they be so ridiculously optimistic? Again, these are paying loss buyers. They're pulling the trigger like all, uh, like all is for the best, in the best part of all possible worlds. I have to believe, you know who I think this is the work of? Youth. Youth. Callow youth. No one who's been in the business for any length of time in the last 30 years would make these trades, would own these stocks up here. They're too obvious. I've only seen this kind of action once before in the 1980s, where stocks that went to 80, then cruised to 90, then cruised to 100, then cruised to 120. Don't laugh. That was my sales pitch to a lot of people, a lot of jaded people like many people are now. And it always worked because we were in one of those rare moments where you had to throw your discipline out the window, or at least that kind of discipline. It's a moment like this one. New discipline. Crazy discipline. Faith. The bottom line. The real issue in this market is faith. The buyers have faith in the future, something that feels out of place right now for most people with COVID cases skyrocketing. Those in despair are sellers or they're doing nothing. But the believers, amazing. There doesn't seem to be a price that they won't pay, at least for the moment. How about we go to William in Colorado, please? William. Booyah, Kramer. This is William in Colorado. All right, William. How are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Thank you. I followed you for over 15 years and just wanted to say a sincere thank you for everything you've done. Oh, you're terrific. Thank you. Thank you so much. The stock I'm calling about is American Wellness, or Amwell, which had its IPO about three months ago. It had seemingly great earnings last week, um, but the uh, the price of stock has just continued to drop. As a primary care physician, I recognize that telehealth is here to stay independent of a full reopening of the economy. Now, unlike other telehealth uh, platforms, the Amwell uh, integrates into multiple large healthcare electronic medical records. For this reason, I believe Amwell is well-positioned for future growth compared to many of its peers. I've right. continued to buy since the IPO. But wait, William, like you I'm know, the quarter was bad. Up. The quarter was not great. And that did control. A lot of people felt that there was no way they could do anything other than a fabulous quarter, and they did not deliver that. And that's why the stock went down, and now they are in the penalty box when it comes to me. I just don't want to be there. Let's go to Anita in Maryland. Anita. Hey, Jim, it's Anita. I'm a teacher from Maryland. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. In 2017, I bought Elf Cosmetics. That's your recommendation. I got in at about 27. It's been on a decline since then, but I'd love to know if I should hold on or cut my losses and invest in something else. No, no, no. He's really good. You know, yeah, I mean, it got hammered. Um, It's a 21. It, it, It just, it got caught up. And a lot of different things that happened in the distribution channel. Um, but it's going to come back, I think. And I think that he's a very good manager. And I also think their products are very good. So I say stay long, Elf. And, yeah, it was 27, went dead. Did go down as low as 8. Glad you helped through it. Um, and I, can I speak to Quindell in California? Quindell. Booyah from East Menlo Park, California. Big Jim. 
Thank you for that. What's going on? Yes, sir. Back on December 4th, 2019, I asked you about plug power when the share price was about $3.30. At that time, you said you couldn't be behind it. You couldn't right. applaud it. Since then, I want to know what changed. But more importantly, I also want to know what you think about my guys down at Fuel Cell Energy. Well, you were, right, you were right about plug power. Fuel Cell Energy, uh, you know, a lot of people got caught up in the fact that uh, Elon Musk likes EV. By the way, uh, Tesla to join the S&P 500, so that one's going to be up big tomorrow. Um, what happened with Plug was that we had Plug on. And Plug admitted that they had made some great acquisitions and they were really ready to roll. And I think that was terrific. Fuel Cell, I got to do more work. I was wrong last time on the Plug. I'm not going to get wrong for you this time. Although we did catch a double in Plug. That's, that, that's my kind of wrong. Okay, how can the Dow hit an all-time high in the middle of a pandemic? It's called faith. The buyers have faith in the future. It's a new kind of discipline, one that's very hard for me, but seems very easy for the younger folk. On Man Money tonight, as more and more consumer data goes online and into the cloud, how is a company like Palo Alto positioning itself? I've got the earnings exclusive with the CEO. Then, the United States could have two coronavirus vaccines available on a limited basis by year's end, but there are major hurdles ahead when it comes to distribution. I'll tell you which companies can help. And more folks are gaming at home than ever, over $3.6 billion globally. I'm talking with one of the companies banking on the trend. Do not miss my sit-down with Corsair. Stay with Craig. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
hasn't been a great month for most tech stocks, but you know what keeps roaring? Palo Alto Networks, PNW. That's a cybersecurity kingpin with a stock that's up roughly 26% just for November, putting a nearly $20 gain today and wake up a fantastic quarter. Last week, we learned that Palo Alto is acquiring a company called Expanse, giving them exposure to attack surface management. Market lapped it up. More importantly, though, this morning, the company shot the lights out, delivering a big top and bottom line beat with management raising their full year forecast substantially. It was a terrific quarter, but also helps that Palo Alto's stock simply wasn't as overheated as many other tech names. This one sometimes and wrongly gets lost among the sexier cloud plays. I fell prey to that myself. Now, though, it's sitting at a new all-time high, and if we need to know how much more it's going to run, we're going to go to the man. Let's check in with Dikesh Arora. He's the chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks. Learn more about the quarter and the company's prospects. Mr. Arora, congratulations and welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you for having me again. All right. So, Nikesh, we discovered that you don't want just cloud. As a matter of fact, if you don't have both, it seems like that you're going to be left out, given the fact that there is so much firewall business and so much cloud business, you need actually the Palo Alto model. Well, Jim, you know, uh, you and I have been talking about this for two and a half years, and I've been telling you that the market is going to do fundamental transformations. One, they're going from data centers to the cloud, and two, they're going from sensors to AI. I think we identified this two and a half years ago. I told you it's the way to get excited about cybersecurity is to figure out how we can come with a platform that integrates your ability to take people from their current infrastructure, take them to the cloud in a safe, capable fashion, and at the same time, focus on the future, which is collection of data, analysis of data, and proactive security. So I'm just delighted and excited that they are, our vision is beginning to come true. We're beginning to see green shoots and our ability to convince the market that we're on the right track. Now, you spend $2.7 billion that's, uh, to get 15% of your billings. I see you have $100 billion TAM that you think in cloud and AI. So that we need more acquisitions because it would seem like they're worthwhile. They're all working. Well, Jim, look, two most important things to worry about. You know, 10 years ago when I was at Google, I was convincing the world that the future is the Internet and mobility is going to be where it's all going to be at. And today I find myself in a similar position trying to convince people that the cloud is where everything is going to be at and AI, AI, AI around giving proactive security. So, yeah, I think anything that can further our ability to deliver cloud security capability, deliver AI-based sort of security is important. When I look at the acquisition conversation, is look at the market. I'm getting 28 basis points on $4 billion of cash. Right. As a shareholder, you should want me to take the money and generate a way higher ROI as long as I can make sure there's product market fit, as long as I can make sure that it integrates into my portfolio, as long as I can make sure that I can leverage the trajectory of the business that I acquire. So, so far we made nine, 10 acquisitions. They're working so far. Touchwood. We have two, we're just integrating. We hope they're gonna work as well as the other eight have worked. And honestly, as my shareholders entrust me with the capital to make sure that I can create long-term value and create a sustainable growth business. And as long as I can opportunistically find opportunities which allow us to bring that vision to life and allow us to generate high ROI for our customers, I think it's in their best interest that I continue that approach. Okay, so how is it that there can be a company like Expanse, which shows you the same thing the bad guys see? How is that available? I mean, to me, that is like, I got to have that. How did you get that? Well, I think, Jim, what's important is you've got to go see where the puck is going and not where the puck was. I think the puck is going where, you know, five years ago, you couldn't scan the Internet on a regular basis in a day. 
Five years ago, you couldn't aggregate that data and store it cheaply to be able to look at it. Five years ago, you couldn't attribute that data to individual customers that are out there. Today, technology has made it possible. Now, these guys have done a phenomenal job. They've worked with various large governments around the world. They work with large companies. They actually have a visibility from the outside. Most security is inside out. You know, shut the door, right. shut the window. Don't let anything bad happen to you. These guys say, okay, great. Let's go take a look from the outside and say, after you've done everything, doing everything you've done, what do I get to see? Because that's what the bad guys are seeing. That's what the hackers are seeing. So they've spent four or five years building the capability, creating that capability from the outside. 90% of the company is made up of technical people who are trying to make sure this data is understood. We can take that. We can incorporate that into our product suite. We can deploy it against our 2,000, global 2,000 accounts, our Fortune 100 accounts, and show them the benefits right out of the gate. So we're launching our user conference tomorrow morning. We're going to make all of our CIOs and CISOs who sign up we give them the ability to get a free report, to actually see from the outside what the bad guys are seeing. That's incredible. That's incredible because you, you just have these like red team, blue team. That's not good enough. That's, those are people who are two good guys trying to hack. You need the bad guy mentality. It, it, this gives it to them. Yes, we're really excited about the team. We're really excited about the acquisition. We're really excited about the possibility of incorporating that data feed. And we're going to combine the two. We have right. amazing inside-out capability. They bring outside-in capability. I think in the future, you'll find out that people will need both perspectives to actually have a comprehensive, secure sort of solution in front of them. And that's what we're aspiring to be. There was an amazing moment in your conference call where you basically said, look, people are getting a billion threat a week. They're getting and they're exhausted. They're not even bothering to catch them anymore. And then you bring in yours and you reduce by 99%. I mean, how can someone be in a situation where they're just saying, hey, look, I've got so many, I give up, and then have a, bring in Palo Alto and suddenly they're gone? Well, Jim, as you might remember, one of the very first acquisitions I made was an automation company. Right. Because I don't believe you can fight the security battle with knives and swords. You've got to go bring computing to the fight. The only way you bring computing to fight is normalized data, is automation, because the bad guys can now, they can rent the same cloud providers that we rent, and they can fire off hundreds of thousands of emails or attacks at the adversary. You can, you only, your only way you're going to find out signal to noise is if you're going to be able to block those attacks using AI, using automation. So in the theme of automating, the theme of AI, I think that's a critical component. And that's why we were able to take a customer with a billion threats take them down by 99%. So now, out of all the fog and all the noise, they can actually focus on the signal. Wow. Well, look, congratulations. The acquisitions have made it so that your company's thrown off cash and growing faster than almost everybody else. Nikesh Arora, Chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks. Terrific job, and always great to see you. Thank you, Jim. Guys, it goes higher. I mean, this is what you need. You need something that does both cloud and just on-prem firewall. You can't have just one. It just doesn't work anymore. Everybody's back here from the break. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind. 
just like Hacker has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Good news, it just keeps coming. A week ago, we found out that Pfizer's COVID vaccine is more than 90% effective. They could be in a position to file for emergency use authorization later this week. Then today, we learned that Moderna's vaccine could be even better, 94.5% efficacy rate. Why would you take 190 if you get 94.5? But it's not apples to apples. Soon enough, we should be hearing about all sorts of promising data from other major players in the vaccine foot race. Now, I hate to think where the stock market would be without the Pfizer and Moderna updates, given that we've had over a million new COVID infections in the last week. But even though these vaccines have been developed in record time, we still have one last major hurdle that no one's talking about. Whether it's the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine, we got to start thinking about how to get hundreds of millions of vials to Americans, not to mention billions of people overseas. Unfortunately, the federal government's vaccine program, Operation Warp Speed, only plans to distribute it to the states. From there, state governments have to figure it out for themselves, and federalism hasn't exactly had the best track record at fighting this virus. See, you, you can't just ship a vaccine via airmail. You have to keep it refrigerated, especially in the case of Pfizer's vaccine, which will go bad unless it's kept at extremely low temperatures. Getting it where it needs to go will be a whole production. Thankfully, where the government drops the ball, private enterprise is stepping up. So tonight, like that hasn't been the case for, for a long time now. So tonight, I want to take you through the terrific companies that are part of the vaccine distribution pipeline. All of which, by the way, I find intriguing for investment. We're going to talk about giants like United Parcel and FedEx, along with the drug distributor, a climate control expert, and some uh, pharmacies and supermarkets. Uh, with the exception of supermarkets, I kind of like to suggest that everything be good here. Let's start with UPS, because we just checked in with their new CEO, and that's the bankable Carol Tomei. You know, a few weeks ago, she was already on the case. Listen to this. Many of the medicines, vaccines, uh, clinical trials that are being uh, sent across our network need to be chilled. So we have two freezer farms, uh, one in Louisville, Kentucky, and one in uh, Venlo, the Netherlands. These freezer farms hold freezers that can go anywhere from negative 20 to negative 80 Celsius. This is super important for maintaining the health of the product that they're carrying. As to me, season, UPS has a responsibility to ensure the COVID, vac- COVID vaccines get where they need to go. I love that. And I love this stock. Uh, well, she also made it very clear that it is a very profitable business. I like that, too. When we spoke to her in late October, the company had just reported a terrific quarter, but the stock had gotten hammered down 9% because management declined to give formal guidance. Since then, it's been able to rebound, erasing the bulk of those losses. However, the market doesn't seem to know what to do with United Parcel here. The company's making so much money thanks to the pandemic. There's a fear that the vaccine will ultimately be bad for business, though. I mean, this is is it a textbook stay at home play or has everything changed? And we're just forever going to use Amazon. And that's fantastic for United Parcel. Once they really uh, get let's get through Christmas, they could have a big quarter. Still, what matters to UPS is the holidays. Over the next six weeks, they're going to see an insane level of demand. Some people are calling it Shipageddon. 
thanks to the holidays coming right as we face the worst COVID spike yet. UPS has a spotty track record when it comes to the fourth quarter, but Carol Tomei told us they'll be ready this year, given her track record as the phenomenal CFO of Home Depot versus the UPS track record before her. I think she deserves the benefit of the doubt. Put it all together, and I really like the stock of UPS right here. It's selling for roughly 20 times next year's early assessments. Come on, some, that's like the average stock now. I believe in Tomei's leadership, and the company should make a fortune distributing the vaccine before the stay-at-home economy dries up. Okay, how about FedEx? This is the same story, except they're arguably ahead of UPS when it comes to what's known as cold chain logistics. They built out a ton of infrastructure after shipping vaccines for the swine flu epidemic 11 years ago. They may give them an edge here. Now, whenever you hear cold chain networks, think Carrier, the ultimate control company spun off from all of the old United Technologies. I, David Faber interviewed these guys. It was just a it, it was such a great interview that I was completely jealous. Now, uh, Carrier makes freezer trucks and they're all in on ensuring we have enough of them. They're integral to the chain. Of course, before the vaccine gets to the logistics place, it will likely go through the drug distributors. Now, listen up, because this is where the big money is going to be made. It's an oligopoly industry. It's controlled by McKesson, Cardinal Health, which has not been that good a stock, and Amerisource Bergen. Taken together, these middlemen have just, well, they've not been great investments of late. And a lot of people wonder why they should even exist. Why have one more cog to the Rube Goldberg machine that is America's healthcare system? But you know what? This is their time to shine. We've got three companies that exist solely to distribute drugs, and we suddenly need to get the COVID vaccine to hundreds of millions of people. If you want to buy one, I say you buy McKesson. That's the largest. It's the best run. And crucially, the only drug distributor that's specifically been selected to participate in Operation Warp Speed. I would buy this one right here tomorrow morning. McKesson. The CDC already had a contract with McKesson to handle their vaccines for children program, and they were instrumental in getting the swine flu vaccine out a decade ago. Plus, earlier this month, McKesson did report a blowout quarter, just a massive top of mildly beat. I, really unbelievable. Even better, management raised their full-year forecast dramatically, thanks in part to the, uh, the kicking and storage of ancillary supplies for future COVID-19 vaccines. In other words, they're ready. They were up 33% for the year. McKesson still sells for roughly 10 times next year's estimates. I, that's ridiculous. I know that it's a, somewhat of a cutthroat business, but these guys deserve to sell much higher. I bet this one could have a lot of room to run. I like McKesson. What about the other end of the supply chain? We have to actually administer the vaccine somewhere. All right, well, here we go. The ones that you all know. The government has agreements with CVS and Walgreens to get the vaccine to residents of long-term care facilities. On top of that, last week, the Department of Health and Human Services announced a new set of partnerships with 60% of the pharmacies, that's 6 in the United States. And that includes Kroger, okay, right here, right? Walmart reports this week, tomorrow, be careful, and Costco, which just gave you a $10 special dividend. Tonight, stocks just... So how much could this business be worth? Last week, Morgan Stanley took a stab at answering this question for CVS. They concluded that the vaccine distribution could be worth 2 to 39 cents of earnings per share. Given the stock trades at 10 times earnings, that translates to as much as 4 bucks. 4 bucks per share for the stock price. And this stock has been just kind of, well, now it's up 10 straight points. I don't even know. My charitable trust owns it. I don't even know if I can recommend it up here. It's just been a straight line. If you get lots of people coming in for the vaccine, many of them will probably buy other things, right? I mean, you don't just buy everything from Amazon. Uh, the great thing, everyone with pharmacy exposure uh, gets a boost. CVS should benefit the most. 
I could go on. Here's two that I really like. Honeywell and Corning. They're both working on new types of vials. We saw the fabulous Honeywell Aklar, uh, that's a new kind of product that they've made that doesn't break. I like that. Hey, you know what? Even Delta Airlines is involved with a new type of high-tech cooler for their cargo unit to carry the vaccine. And the Robinhood people, they love Delta. So that's probably the one that's going to be up the most because the Robinhood people. It's like a separate country. The bottom line, now that the vaccine developers are approaching the finish line, distributing this thing is priority number one. I like FedEx, UPS. I love McKesson. I think Carrier's really good and CVS. And don't forget... The Costco special dividend. They're the ones who ultimately solve the crisis, assuming we can convince enough people to take the darn vaccine. But you know what? One problem at a time. How about we go to Ryan in Nevada? Ryan. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Ryan. Hey, Jim. I got a question about a possible vaccine play. Wanted your opinion on it. Okay. Uh, With the recent vaccine news from Pfizer and Moderna, and there's concern about need for cold storage and transportation, uh, AmeriCold Realty, ticker COLD, the only uh, publicly traded cold storage logistic company that I could find. My question for you is, could this vaccine spark a demand for more cold storage and shipping? And is AmeriCold a worthwhile vaccine play investment? Well, I think you have to go simple. I think that the guys who, have the, who are part of the chain that have them are FedEx and UPS. We don't want to outthink this. We want to go to the ones that we know are in the chain. I need to go to Tyler in California, please, Tyler. Hey, booyah, Jimmy, chill. Chill, the chill man in the house. What's up? Hey, with COVID cases rising in the U.S. and EU and vaccines are almost getting ready for production, is Thermo Fisher a buy right now? Or yes, it is. I mean, a back? lot of people feel that, you know what, what's going to happen is there won't be a need for P- their PCR tests, and that's why the stock's down. They are far more than a PCR company. I mean, that is just silly. They are the great medical device company of our time. And we've all had to realize that Mark Casper's built an amazing company. Let that one come in and then do some buying. How much do I like these? This is just, this is where you have to be, guys. Stop it with the vaccines already and start thinking about the distributors. The good news about a vaccine, it just keeps coming. Distribution is the external, and these are the plays. This is what you have to focus on. And even though I'm not really a big fan of the company, I recognize when the stock is right. There's much more made money at video games. are one of the great growth stories of our era. Whole industry's gotten a huge boost from the pandemic. But what is Corsair Gaming signaling after its first earnings report as a public company? I know you care because you've asked many times. I'm going to talk to the CEO. Then why the market might be itching for a new presidential administration. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Two weeks ago, on the night before the election, I told you to buy something that would work regardless of who won at the ballot box. A newly public company called Corsair Gaming. This is one of the leading makers of premium gaming hardware, from peripherals like mice and keyboards to high-performance PC components. At the time, I said Corsair reminded me of Logitech, one of this year's biggest winners, because if you're stuck at home, you might as well have a quality home office. Stock now is trading at 23. It's trading at 23. Now just 30. Just went to 30 overnight, in part because Corsair reported a blowout quarter last week. Those numbers were so incredible. This stock's been able to thrive, even as many other stay-at-home names have sold off in anticipation of a COVID vaccine. So could this thing have more room to run? Let's take a closer look with Andy Paul, the president and CEO of Corsair Gaming. Get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Paul, welcome to Mad Money. Well, thanks very much, Jim. Very excited to be here. 
Okay, so Andy, you made a very compelling case in all of your documents that while people think that this is just a one-time thing and we'll be able to get out with a vaccine, that there was nothing pulled forward and that this is a case of evolution of gamers and they need your stuff as they evolve. Sticking by that? That's right, yeah. We're at the early stage now of you know, more and more young people picking up video gaming. Uh, it's really the thing that people do now. Uh, and still a very small number of gamers have uh, stepped up to buy proper gaming gear. So very early stage in the cycle. Now, you did talk about the possibility. I mean, people could be spending the numbers. You said they will spend 1000 to 1800 on gaming hardware and accessories in the future. That's a ton of money. Well, a lot of people actually half the TAM for gaming hardware uh, most of the TAM is the gaming PC itself that people use to play on. About 50% of that is people building those gaming PCs at home from components that we make. And, um, you know, people that build their own PCs typically are spending, um, you know, well over $2,000. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, we have Logitech all the time. So I think people are trying to say, well, wait a second, Jim likes Corsair and he likes Logitech. Is that the room for both? Absolutely. I mean, Logitech is a very different company from us. Obviously, they have a portion of their sales that are in gaming and, and streaming. Uh, but 100% of our sales are related to gaming and right. streaming. Now, um, I'm sorry about that phone ringing. But don't worry, because it's, we barely hear it. Now, this is what's key to me. There's a company that we've really been behind, NVIDIA. And I was so gratified to see that you have the R, that you're, you're building in the RTX. Now, we think a lot of the new games are built for NVIDIA, but you're the first person to ever come on with NVIDIA in your equipment. That's right. Well, we do make, um, we do make gaming PCs that are pre-configured, um, and the only ones that we make are with the highest-end graphics cards. Um, and so naturally, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd included NVIDIA's 30 series. You know, we bought a company last year, Jim, called uh, Origin PC, mm-hmm. which we talk about as being the Ferrari of gaming PCs. And so if you want the ultimate gaming PC, but you don't know how to build it yourself or you don't have the time, uh, then you can go online there um, and they'll com- build a completely custom uh, gaming PC. You could even have one built with the Mad Money logo on the side of it. Um, most people that do that are spending between you know, four and $5,000 on these gaming PCs, uh, and they only use the top-of-the-line NVIDIA cards. Well, if you're going to win eSports, you need top-of-the-line, right? Top-of-the-line NVIDIA. You need to spend 5000 You can't win. There's nobody who can work on a, 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 on a Ford if there's a Ferrari, right? That's right. It's, it, you know, the way to think about this is like any other sport um, or pastime, you know, whether it be skiing or mountain biking or tennis or whatever you like to do, most people find that when they buy better gear, uh, they can play better. And anybody that's, you know, been golfing or skiing, you know, consistently for a number of years will know that. And everyone's super excited when a new, you know, technology comes along uh, that enables them to connect with the sport better. And that's what we're finding with, uh, with gaming gear, quite honestly. Now, the same thing is absolutely true with streaming. I mean, a lot of our revenue is from streaming. And this is a, a new um, trend that's happening where people want to share, um, you know, either their video playing with uh, mm-hmm. their friends um, and a lot of people that have got you know great personalities have built up thousands of fans um, and so there's more and more people buying you know video and uh, video and uh, and microphones gear 
Okay, so Andy, uh, there are some people who want you, like I would, to buy, buy, buy. I want you to own this category. Others might say you have $259 million in debt. I want that paid down. Is there a way to do both? Well, I think we're going to do, we're going to do both if we can. Um, it just depends on what opportunities there are coming along. I mean, the fact is that, um, you know, gaming and streaming, these categories, um, there's a lot of startups. There's a lot of new technology involved. And for new companies, it's very, very difficult to get um, either software or hardware products distributed around the world. Um, that's what companies like ourselves uh, offer some of these startups. And so we're approached all the time um, by companies that want to scale quickly. Right. So, you know, when we find great opportunities, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do that. Um, we're not highly leveraged by any means. Uh, but if we don't find any opportunities, we'll simply pay the debt down. Excellent. Well, look, I think that you uh, own the high end, and the high end is always a fabulous place to be. Andy Paul, President and CEO of Corsair Gaming. Great to meet you, sir. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. All right. Thank you very much, Jim. Guys, think about this like you would Ferrari, okay? I mean, it is, it's the pick of the litter, and there's always room for the highest end. Man, money's back here for the break. It is time! It's time for the light round! Great lighters out! That's about round And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the light round! Let's go to Ron New York. Ron! Booyah, Jim. How Booyah. you doing, bud? Hey, I listen, am good. I'm a How are you? Time listener, and I am a first-time caller. I like and that. I just want to Long say, like time. so many others, I absolutely love your show. Not oh, only is you. it informative, but entertaining as well, my man. Well, thank you very much. So, so here, here's my stock. My 23-year-old daughter, Jessica, works at Viacom, and we both own it. It finally seems to be breaking out. Had a nice, I think, about 6% run today. Almost $32 a share. Good earnings last week. Is it finally, finally moving and breaking out? And right. Do we buy more, hold, or sell? Buddy? I would hold on to it. I uh, sold it too soon. I got discouraged. That was wrong. Sometimes when you get discouraged, you have to say to yourself, let me be better at my job. I think you're doing it right. Chuck in New York. Chuck. ba 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 booyah, Jim. Whoa. Good to hear you and good to talk to you. I, I need a little bit of your advice or your knowledge on... Icon Enterprise. Right. See, I've always felt that it's difficult to understand exactly what Icon Enterprises owns. uh, And therefore, I've always felt that perhaps uh, I should stay away because I just don't know enough about what's inside Icon Enterprises. Kevin in Texas. Kevin. Hey, Jim. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. I want to ask you your opinion on retractable technologies or RBP. The needle company. I don't know it. I do not know that company. I mean, I know it's a needle company, but that's not enough to recommend it. Let's go to, oh, come on. Let's go to Richard in New York. Richard. Richard. Wow, what an honor, sir. Thank you very much. Nobody does it better than the master vice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you kindly. My uh, my stock has reported recently third-quarter positive earnings. It's a made-in-the-USA play. has plenty of backlog of back orders. And I've taken a small position recently before the 10% drop and was wondering about their future prospects short and long. My stock is Whirlpool. This guy, Bitzer, who runs it, he's the beginning. He's the beginning. He really gets it. He's terrific. I think this stock goes much higher. 
Whirlpool is a great company. They're on back order for a lot of the products. I think you should buy the stock. Let's go to uh, Dana in Washington. Dana. Hey, Jim. Uh, with so many intriguing unicorns to bring to market, who do you think Bill Ackman targets for PSPH? And is there any reason shareholders might expect a merger announcement before January 1st? You know, this is kind of one of those things where I am sure there are a lot of people who are comfortable with owning something where you don't know what you're going to get because you like the person. It's harder for me to recommend it because then I find out that I don't like what they bought and I will end up being uh, mistaken for you. So I've got a hold off. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. When Biden's sworn in, the new administration will have its hands full with COVID cases skyrocketing, small businesses being clubbed. Yet the market keeps climbing. And it's not just because we keep getting good news on the vaccine front. The fact is, many of the publicly traded CEOs are thrilled to see a new president with what will likely be a divided Congress. They were never fully on the Trump train, by the way. All aboard! Sure, they love the tax cuts, but they absolutely hated the trade war with China. Let me be very clear. I thought the trade war with China was a good idea. The Chinese government doesn't play fair when it comes to trade. They spent decades deliberately targeting U.S. manufacturing, and our government did nothing because, well, why? We got lots of cheap stuff, and American companies got access to the massive Chinese market. We had to crack down. And a year ago, it looked like we were winning. We got a phase one trade deal. The economy was humming. Lowest unemployment in 50 years. And then the pandemic hit, and it all fell apart. COVID sent unemployment skyrocketing, and our country hasn't been able to get it under control. Meanwhile, China got, got back to normal months ago, and the whole of East Asia is doing fine right now. The whole region embraced mass contact tracing, testing, social distancing, because they've been through it before with SARS. They knew it was right. Their governments and their people knew how to take the pandemic seriously. We didn't. But let's get back to the trade war. As much as I like the tariffs, Wall Street's full of free traders who couldn't stand them. Unlike Trump, Biden's not much of a China cold warrior, so I expect him to phase out the tariffs. In response, we'll probably get goodwill gestures from the Chinese government to buy American, especially aircraft, which makes Boeing the stock to own going into 2021. You're going to get the max approval, and then you're going to get the Chinese orders. A lot of people were worried that Apple was in danger of losing their enormous greater China business. Oh, that's no longer a concern. Expect M&A deals to be approved rapidly. Most importantly, American companies that do big business over there should get a giant boost, as you're seeing with the stocks. Think Starbucks. Otis, Nike, 3M, Procter & Gamble, Honeywell. See those stocks run? That's because of China. Also, most of the semiconductor plays because their Chinese earnings are suddenly worth more to Wall Street. You no longer have to apply a trade war discount. Second positive for the stock market, outsourcing. Right now, U.S. companies aren't exactly eager to ship jobs overseas, and I don't expect that instantly to change. However, I think Biden lacks Trump's zeal when it comes to naming and shaming. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't want to out CEOs who shut down factories. Politicians aren't supposed to make things personal like that, but boy, it sure did work for Trump. Personally, I see it as a good thing when the president shames executives for offshoring jobs. I liked it. Then again, I'm not a CEO. Of course, businesses do this kind of thing because it's profitable. It gives you higher stock prices. So if General Motors wants to capitalize on some new trend, it'll be more likely to build a factory overseas. A less emotional, more predictable administration will make it easier for execs to figure out how to regain business in the rest of the world. See, again, that's good news for stocks. Finally, and this might surprise you, I can't tell you how many CEOs were totally outraged by President Trump's blasé attitude toward the environment. 
I'm not just talking about the people running tech companies here. Even automakers, utility executives run happy. Shocker. Many CEOs have kids, and those kids would prefer a future that's not ravaged by climate change. They cared more about that than they cared about the president's view. So they like that Biden's much less wedded to drilling for fossil fuels all over the place. Something that's actually good for the oil industry's profits, by the way, because we have a supply glut and they need someone to make them stop overproducing. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's straightforward. Supply and demand. That's why the oil stocks are going up. More drilling means lower oil prices. Less drilling means higher oil prices. There you go. There are only two oil price uh, stocks I continue to bless, and they are really working. It's Chevron and Pioneer Natural Resources. Everything else, no thank you. Meanwhile, I expect the electric vehicle plays to get a huge boost under Biden. Same goes for wind and solar and hydrogen fuel cells. You'll see these stocks go relentlessly higher because young investors love them. Why not? According to International Energy Agency, over this weekend, wind and solar will overtake gas capacity in 2023 and coal in 2024. So even after this monster run, you've got to keep in mind that Wall Street's happy to have a president who's more friendly to free trade and the environment. Because that's what matters to so many of them. I like to say... There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.